Chapter eighty six, Life in the Eden Home. The Garden of Eden remained upon the earth long after man had become an outcast from its pleasant paths. The fallen race were long permitted to gaze upon the home of innocence, their entrance barred only by the watching angels. At the cherubim guarded gate of paradise, the divine glory was revealed. Hither came Adam and his sons to worship God. Here they renewed their vows of obedience to that law, the transgression of which had banished them from Eden. When the tide of iniquity overspread the world, and the wickedness of men determined their destruction by a flood of waters, the hand that had planted Eden withdrew it from the earth. But in the final restitution, when there shall be a new heaven and a new earth, it is to be restored more gloriously adorned than at the beginning. Then they that have kept God's commandments shall breathe in immortal vigor beneath the tree of life. And through unending ages the inhabitants of sinless worlds shall behold in that garden of delight a sample of the perfect work of God's creation, untouched by the curse of sin, a sample of what the whole earth would have become had man but fulfilled the Creator's glorious plan. The great plan of redemption results in fully bringing back the world into God's favor. All that was lost by sin is restored. Not only man, but the earth is redeemed to be the eternal abode of the obedient. For six thousand years, Satan has struggled to maintain possession of the earth. Now God's original purpose in its creation is accomplished. The saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. God's original purpose in the creation of the earth is fulfilled as it is made the eternal abode of the redeemed. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The time has come to which holy men have looked with longing since the flaming sword barred the first pair from Eden, a time for the redemption of the purchased possession. The earth originally given to man is his kingdom, betrayed by him into the hands of Satan, and so long held by the mighty foe, has been brought back by the great plan of redemption. All that was lost by the first Adam will be restored by the second. The prophet says, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. And Paul points forward to the redemption of the purchased possession. God created the earth to be the abode of happy, holy beings. That purpose will be fulfilled when, renewed by the power of God and freed from sin and sorrow, it shall become the eternal home of the redeemed.
After his expulsion from Eden, Adam's life on earth was filled with sorrow. Every dying leaf, every victim of sacrifice, every blight upon the fair face of nature, every stain upon man's purity, were fresh reminders of his sin. Terrible was the agony of remorse as he beheld iniquity abounding, and in answer to his warnings, met the reproaches cast upon himself as the cause of sin. With patient humility, he bore for nearly a thousand years the penalty of transgression. Faithfully did he repent of his sin and trust in the merits of the promised Savior. And he died in the hope of a resurrection. The Son of God redeemed man's failure and fall. And now, through the work of the atonement, Adam is reinstated in his first dominion. Transported with joy, he beholds the trees that were once his delight, the very trees whose fruit he himself had gathered in the days of his innocence and joy. He sees the vines that his own hands have trimmed, the very flowers that he once loved to care for. His mind grasps the reality of the scene. He comprehends that this is indeed Eden restored, more lovely now than when he was banished from it. The Savior leads him to the tree of life and plucks the glorious fruit and bids him eat. He looks about him and beholds the multitude of his family redeemed, standing in the paradise of God. Then he casts his glittering crown at the feet of Jesus and falling upon his breast embraces the Redeemer. He touches the golden harp and the vaults of heaven echo the triumphant song, Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb that was slain and lives again. The family of Adam take up the strain and cast their crowns at the Savior's feet as they bow before him in adoration. This reunion is witnessed by the angels who wept at the fall of Adam and rejoiced when Jesus, after his resurrection, ascended to heaven, having opened the grave for all who should believe on his name. Now they behold the work of redemption accomplished, and they unite their voices in the song of praise. A fear of making the future inheritance seem too material has led many to spiritualize away the very truths which lead us to look upon it as our home. Christ assured his disciples that he went to prepare mansions for them in the Father's house. Those who accept the teachings of God's word will not be wholly ignorant concerning the heavenly abode. Human language is inadequate to describe the reward of the righteous. It will be known only to those who behold it. No finite mind can comprehend the glory of the paradise of God.
in the Bible, the inheritance of the saved is called a country. There the heavenly shepherd leads his flock to fountains of living waters. The tree of life yields its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the service of the nations. There are ever-flowing streams, clear as crystal, and beside them waving trees cast their shadows upon the paths prepared for the ransomed of the Lord. There the wide-spreading plains swell into hills of beauty. The mountains of God rear their lofty summits. On those peaceful plains, beside those living streams, God's people, so long pilgrims and wanderers, shall find a home. There are homes for the pilgrims of earth. There are robes for the righteous, with crowns of glory and palms of victory. All that has perplexed us in the providences of God will in the world to come be made plain. The things hard to be understood will then find explanation. The mysteries of grace will unfold before us. Where our finite minds discovered only confusion and broken promises, we shall see the most perfect and beautiful harmony. We shall know that infinite love ordered the experiences that seemed most trying. As we realize the tender care of Him who makes all things work together for our good, we shall rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We are homeward bound. He who loved us so much as to die for us hath builded for us a city. The new Jerusalem is our place of rest. There will be no sadness in the city of God, no wail of sorrow, no dirge of crushed hopes and buried affections will evermore be heard. Soon the garments of heaviness will be changed for the wedding garment. Soon we shall witness the coronation of our King, those whose lives have been hidden with Christ, those who on this earth have fought the good fight of faith, will shine forth with the Redeemer's glory in the kingdom of God. Heaven is a good place. I long to be there and behold my lovely Jesus who gave his life for me and be changed into his glorious image. Oh, for language to express the glory of the bright world to come. I thirst for the living streams that make glad the city of our God. The Lord has given me a view of other worlds. Wings were given me, and an angel attended me from the city to a place that was bright and glorious. The grass of the place was living green, and the birds there warbled a sweet song. The inhabitants of the place were of all sizes, 
They were noble, majestic, and lovely. They bore the express image of Jesus, and their countenances beamed with holy joy, expressive of the freedom and happiness of the place. I asked one of them why they were so much more lovely than those on the earth. The reply was, We have lived in strict obedience to the commandments of God and have not fallen by disobedience like those on the earth. I begged of my attending angel to let me remain in that place. I could not bear the thought of coming back to this dark world again. Then the angel said, You must go back. And if you are faithful, you with the 144,000 shall have the privilege of visiting all the worlds and viewing the handiwork of God. There the redeemed shall know, even as also they are known, the loves and sympathies which God himself has planted in the soul shall there find truest and sweetest exercise. The pure communion with holy beings, the harmonious social life with the blessed angels and with the faithful ones of all ages who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, the sacred ties that bind together the whole family in heaven and earth, these help to constitute the happiness of the redeemed. The nations of the saved will know no other law than the law of heaven. All will be a happy, united family, clothed with the garments of praise and thanksgiving. Over the scene, the morning stars will sing together, and the sons of God will shout for joy, while God in Christ will unite in proclaiming, There shall be no more sin, neither shall there be any more death. From that scene of heavenly joy, there comes back to us on earth the echo of Christ's own wonderful words, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. The family of heaven and the family of earth are one. For us our Lord ascended, and for us he lives. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Long have we waited for our Savior's return, but none the less sure is the promise. Soon we shall be in our promised home. There Jesus will lead us beside the living stream flowing from the throne of God and will explain to us the dark providences through which on this earth he brought us in order to perfect our characters. There we shall behold with undimmed vision the beauties of Eden restored, casting at the feet of the Redeemer the crowns that he has placed on our heads, and touching our golden harps, we shall fill all heaven with praise to him that sitteth on the throne. Let all that is beautiful in our earthly home remind us of the crystal river and green fields the waving trees and the living fountains, the shining city 
and the white-robed singers of our heavenly home. That world of beauty which no artist can picture, no mortal tongue describe. Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him.